2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It looks like Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of California. Influencers are getting vaxxed and helping deal with misinfo about the vaccine. Plus, we've got another delightful installment of DM 911 advice just for you.
1: It's April 23rd, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. and I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to Buzzfeed Daily and welcome back, Casey. We missed you.
0: Thank you, uh, you guys. I'm vexed. Uh-huh, that's that's uh-huh, major. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm almost there. I have one done, one to go. I'm very jealous of you.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It it feels good. It's a wild experience, but I'm like I'm so hopeful and excited and and feeling happy to hug people soon.
1: Yes, I'm excited for you. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I want to move on to something that I'm personally not excited for. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Okay, so we're starting with Caitlyn Jenner running for governor of California. Jenner filed the initial paperwork for a run and tweeted, quote, I'm in. California is worth fighting for. Jenner's run comes amid a possible recall of current governor Gavin Newsom. County election offices are still verifying signatures submitted by recall proponents to call for a recall election, but it's expected that they will have enough to qualify the measure for the ballot. Jenner is a longtime Republican and former Donald Trump supporter. And as recently as 2020 stated to out sports, quote, politics is something I don't talk about any longer.
1: Yeah. So, Casey, I, like you, am not thrilled about this news, but I also want people to understand that, unfortunately, the way that California recall elections work It's actually very easy for a celebrity to win them because the ballot just contains like it can be like dozens, if not hundreds of names on there. And the person who wins just has to get more votes than anyone else. They do not have to get the majority of the vote. They have to get more votes than everyone else. So that's how we ended up with Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2003. He was the most recognizable name on the ballot in the recall of Gray Davis. And the rest was history
0: yeah, Stephen, I lived here. I grew. <laughs> I grew up in California. I bro. Re- I remember that time. But you know what, Stephen, something that I want to bring up is, Back before you were on the show, we had as a guest trans activist Raquel Willis. And around that time, I think right after the election, she tweeted, be ready for the Republican resurgence. Next time, they'll play fully into identity, weaponizing a woman and or person of color as the voice of their party and their destructive beliefs. It's time we move beyond championing representation without a clear discussion on values, too. And then, Stephen, today she re-upped that tweet and said, R.E. Caitlyn Jenner.
1: Yep. I mean, that's just about it, isn't it? I really hope people do not fall for the fact that she, you know, being a trans woman, you might think, oh, she's going to be progressive. She is not a progressive person. Um, She would be uh, very conservative in a lot of her beliefs. Please take her candidacy seriously and please do not vote for her. (laughs) How's that? There we go, Stephen. Other things that are making me cringe today. Influencers are getting vaccinated, which is great. But they're also fighting conspiracy theorists online, not so great. Under photos where popular influencers like Catherine Giugici Lowe have said they're vaccinated, some comments have included things like quote, $1,300 richer and quote, I hope you weren't paid to post this. These comments are in response to a rumor that CVS is paying influencers to get their shot at CVS and not at another distributor, which isn't even true. According to a CVS spokesperson, the campaign does not require, nor have we asked, any participating partners to get the vaccine at CVS or anywhere else. The only requirement of hashtag One Step Closer is to share the personal joys that partners are looking forward to experiencing once they have been fully vaccinated. And influencers are taking this seriously. When Sivan Ayla was DM'd, quote, Hi, could you continue to be super transparent and let everyone know you were paid to promote this? Ayla responded, Hi, no, I was not paid. And if I'm paid to promote anything, I follow FTC guidelines and use hashtag ad.
0: I mean, thank God that these influencers are calling out those comments and like saying what's true and what's not true because we really are in a time of misinformation. I mean, we've been in this era for the past like four or five years, but it's really dangerous when it comes to this vaccine because. You know, sometimes people are purposely putting misinformation out there. And then also there's just like a lot we don't know. So everything's flying in our faces. And when it's like going like somewhat viral on these like high profile TikToks or YouTubers or influencers, it's like really hard to figure out what's what. So it's really important that they're saying like, no, what you're saying isn't true.
1: Yeah. And, you know, by the way, combating the misinformation is really important. At the same time, can I just say, and I don't think this is a controversial take, I hope there's marketing around the vaccine. Getting everyone in the country vaccinated is a huge operation. I hope influencers are getting paid to post about it. I hope we're making commercials and, and putting up billboards. I mean, like, what's wrong with getting the promotion out there? The vaccine is safe and effective, and everyone needs to know about it.
0: Right. The vaccine should not be controversial. Like, that isn't what we want to be doing right now. uh Okay, moving on, we're back with another installment of DM911. This is where our lovely host, Stephen, leaves his DMs open to answer any questions you may have about life, love, and, well, everything. Today, we're talking about a man who hasn't had the chance to grieve over his mother, someone concerned for their friend's rapid weight loss, and a woman who's feeling like a third wheel between her partner and his ex-wife. All right, Stephen, are you ready for the first dilemma we have?
1: Oh, I am so ready, Casey. Let's do this.
0: (laughs) Okay, so first off, we're starting with someone whose fiancé has become hesitant about getting married. For context, both our DMer and her partner proposed to each other, but then the fiancé's mother passed away. The partner hasn't had a chance to grieve, but can't afford therapy and is nervous about marriage because his mother promised she would be at the wedding. The DMer asks, how can I help him so I can marry him?
1: So... I have to be honest. I think your question here is sort of framed in the wrong way. How can I help him so that I can marry him? Your motive for helping him should not be so that your wedding plans go uninterrupted. Your motive in helping him should be helping him. And I think this is an important distinction to make because it's possible that part of helping him right now means not getting married immediately. Your fiancé just lost his mother, and he can't wrap his mind around having a huge milestone event in his life without her. That's a reasonable, understandable place for him to be in. It's also, I would imagine, a temporary place for him to be in. I can't imagine that for the rest of his life, he is going to like refuse to get married because his mother wouldn't be there. I think this is really just a matter of giving him some time to focus on his grief, so he can actually process it and start to heal from it before looking to his future. So I would take some of the pressure off the marriage thing right now, even if that means delaying the wedding. The task on your plate is to help your partner heal. Now, as for how you do that, there's really no magic wand to be waved that makes grief go away. It really is just a matter of giving him time, space, and empathy, and being there for him as he needs you. You also do mention that you can't afford therapy. And I totally acknowledge that the cost of therapy is a real barrier of entry for some people, but I would be remiss if I didn't just point out that there are options even for people who have a financial burden on them. Like uh, if you have a health insurance plan, a lot of health insurance plans will include like a small number of therapy sessions included for free. There are therapists who may charge on a sliding scale based on your income or even work pro bono if your income is under a certain threshold. And there are also grief support groups um, online and maybe even in your community, and those are usually free. So I think you are not out of options when it comes to professional help. As for the help that you can give, though, just be there for him, listen to what he needs, and help him get it.
0: Yeah, I have a a couple things I want to say, like one, first of all, I'm never someone who's going to be like, don't spend money on a wedding when you could be putting it towards this, blah, 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 because I'm like, spend your money for what brings you joy, you know, like definitely do that. But with that said, you know, maybe putting money towards therapy and then getting him to a place where you're both ready to get married. And then it's just going to be a more joyful occasion. Not that you need to spend a lot of money at a wedding. You know, you could do a courthouse situation. And then my second thing is that... I don't know. I guess I want to know like, what does marriage mean to you? Because to be honest, like, whether you have the date or not, I think that marriage is being a good partner and having someone to grow with and help that other person heal. So, this is like a really big thing that a lot of married couples have to deal with. So, married or not, you're going through it. And I think just having patience and being there for him is. Basically halfway to marriage, anyways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that's a great point. And it reminds me that like this experience that you two are about to embark on together of navigating this really profound loss, this is going to say so much more about your relationship than a, a wedding or a party ever could. So so tend to this and like foster this because this speaks to your relationship a lot.
0: All right, we'll be right back to get even more advice from the one and only Stephen.
1: Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm excited to be back with a new season of You and Me Both. You know, when we started this podcast, we were going through some tough times, and let's
0: face it, we still are. But I am a firm believer we're stronger together. So please join me for more conversations with people who will make you think, make you laugh, and help us find a path forward. Listen to You and Me Both on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO, and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me.
2: Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played with Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had, like, the most amazing time.
0: Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're getting awesome advice from our own Stephen Lacanti about your DMs. Next up, we've got someone who's worried about her friend's rapid weight loss. The friend started losing weight last summer and originally it was no big deal. But now our writer says her friend is intermittent fasting by not eating for upwards of 72 hours and that the friend only eats one meal a day. Both of them got lunch a few weeks ago and the friend only ate a few bits of food. Our writer is worried her friend is not losing weight in a healthy way, and our writer doesn't want to be perceived as jealous since she's also trying to lose weight. What should she do?
1: Yeah, this is really tough, and I'm sorry to hear this is going on. I'm also really glad to hear that this woman has you as a friend looking out for her, because a friend like you can quite literally make the difference between life and death in the situation. So, yeah, my advice is absolutely to talk to your friend about this in a way that is gentle and caring, but also very direct. Like, hey, I'm worried about the fact that you go three days straight without eating any food. That's really dangerous. Can we talk about what you're going through? Try to get a sense of where she's at with this, whether she recognizes it's a problem, and whether she'd be open to getting professional help. And I'd pivot the conversation pretty quickly to professional help, by the way, because the truth is you as her friend, you can be a lot of things to her right now, but you cannot be her therapist. That wouldn't be fair to you. And it also wouldn't be safe for her. So I think the conversation should really boil down to we both see this as a problem. Let's put a name to it so that we can't pretend it's not there anymore. And then let's go get you some help. If she's open to help. Great. And I really hope she is. If she's not open to help, and unfortunately that's a common outcome with eating disorders, then there's not much more you can do besides let her know that you're here for her and that if she ever changes her mind down the road, you would be really happy to help her find support. And then just to touch on what you said about how you're trying to lose weight too and you don't want your friend to think that you're just like jealous of her weight loss. I don't think that's likely to be an issue. Um, At least I hope that's not going to be an issue that she's going to bring up. But I do just want to call out that you should probably keep your own weight loss journey separate and private from this friend. Even if you're being completely healthy and responsible in your own choices, I think that any sort of conversations around how to lose weight are just too triggering for a person with an eating disorder. In your own life, you do whatever you want as long as you're healthy. But when you're around this friend— I would try to avoid any mention of diets, exercise, or how many pounds you're losing.
0: Mm, Yeah, I think that's all around great advice. And you know what? I do think it is the, the most important is seeking a professional. And I actually think I'd be careful, you know, not to go to a trainer or like a weight loss expert or something like that. I'd probably seek out a nutritionist. Um, that's going to help you. They have a lot of specialties in eating disorders. And, you know, most of us do have eating disorders. I think a lot of people think of it as just like bulimia or anorexia, but that is not it. A lot of people just suffer from eating disorders because of the society we live in. And so I do also, I actually do understand that thing of like someone being perceived as jealous uh, for a weight loss journey because it's like maybe you're competitive or something like that. And I think I like what you're saying of like, keep the emotion out of it, keep like your own weight loss journey out of it and like stick to facts, like maybe stick to studies or stick to like how a nutritionist can help you and stuff like that, because studies will tell you that intermittent fasting is not the way to go.
1: Yeah, especially when that intermittent period is 72 hours. I don't think anyone, I don't practice any sort of fasting, but I know some people might do some sort of window of like they only eat within like eight hours a day or whatever. That's a very different thing than what she's describing of 72 hours without food. That is extremely dangerous. That is something that if you do that for long enough, uh, you you will get very sick, if not die. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Okay, Stephen, finally, we have a writer who's been dating a great guy for three years. Her boyfriend has an ex-wife and child, and that couple had a tumultuous relationship, but they're getting along better now. However, our writer is worried about their contact increasing to things like sitting together at sporting events, attending church and brunch, and now planning a family vacation where they're sharing a hotel room. Wow, that is a jump. From, that's an escalation, <laughs> Stephen.
1: Yeah. Our really writer does.
0: is super uncomfortable with this and adds that whenever she goes on vacation with her boyfriend, his ex-wife blows up his phone and gets very angry. Should she be concerned about this?
1: Um, yeah. I I think I think you should be concerned. Um, I did
0: I did I did pause there. I was like I was like okay, go going to a sporting
1: event. Maybe it's your kid's sporting event or something like that. But now we're sharing a hotel room, Stephen. That was my exact journey when I received this DM. It was like okay, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. And then it was wait, what? What's happening? So yeah, I don't I don't like to make people feel concerned on this podcast. I'd I'd much rather tell you this is no big deal. But the truth is, yeah, I think there's cause for concern here. I'm all for effective co-parenting. Your boyfriend and his ex-wife share a child together, and I think some of the things you describe are healthy and good. Like, if they're sitting together at their son's sports games, I think that's nice. If they're taking their kid to church together, like, I mean, I'm not like a church-going kind of guy myself, but more power to them. But there are things you describe here that step far outside the bounds of platonic co-parenting. So let's talk about sharing the hotel room on the family trip. <laughs> that is, to me, extremely questionable. I-, I would personally not want my boyfriend to share a hotel room with his ex, I'm also curious why you weren't invited on the family trip. I mean, you've been together for three years. I would assume you know the child pretty well at this point. I hope you do. And serious long-term partners would usually be included on a family trip. And then one of the other wild things you describe is that this ex gets jealous when the two of you go on vacation together. I don't understand why she objects to him going on a trip with his partner of three years. And I also don't understand why your boyfriend allows her to object to it, because I notice that nowhere in your DM have you described a single moment where your boyfriend stuck up for you, or told his ex she was out of line, or tried to get you invited on a trip, or invited you to these brunches and games and church with her. I don't know that I have enough information to tell you outright that you must dump this man, But it sounds like your gut is telling you that something might be amiss here, and I just want to validate that I think your gut is probably correct. As for what to do next, I would encourage you to keep listening to your gut because your gut will very rarely fail you.
0: Steven, that was excellent advice, and I really have nothing to add except for I do want to share my thought process when I first read this.
1: Oh, please share.
0: Because when she said they were sharing a hotel room, my first thought was like, oh, yeah, well, the girlfriend's invited, too, because why wouldn't she also go? And then I was like, are they all sharing a bed together? Where does the ex-wife sleep?
1: And then I jumped to, oh, she wasn't invited. (laughs) Right. And that, to me, is, like, really worrisome. And, I, you know, I feel like letter writers like this already kind of know everything they need to know. And they just want someone to reflect back at them like, yep. It, it, it is what it right, looks your like. gut,
0: your, your gut is telling you the correct thing right now.
1: Yeah. So I think this person probably knows what they need to do. And my advice is just to do it. I guess that's a cop out because I'm basically telling them to dump them. But I'm like, I'm not technically saying it. But but the reason why I'm framing it that way is because I legitimately think it's important for this person to recognize, like your gut is already telling you what to do mm-hmm. here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Stephen, as always, thank you for
1: helping all of us sort through life. Please, it is truly my pleasure. Keep <laughs> DMing me, everyone from all over the internet. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, this is not a hashtag ad, but I also got the vaccine and I can't wait to hug people again. Buzzfeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedineen.
0: Special thanks to Samantha Hennick and Tommy Wesley. Plus, an extra, extra special thanks to Tracy Ayers and Mangesh Ticketer, both of whom have moved on from our show and without whom this show would not exist. Seriously, thank you both so much.
1: Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories.
0: And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed. Coming to you daily.
1: Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.
0: I'm Colleen Witt.